Many people have good intentions, but few people practice intentionality. Welcome to another podcast. Coach K is bringing you readings today from the scenic center of the South, Chattanooga, Tennessee, my second home. 38 years ago, God blessed me with the queen of my castle. And so there's fog as I look out over Signal Mountain today in the home of Chris Ackerson, our special guest. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jeff. Glad to be here. Well, we're going to enjoy talking about friendship and partnership and ministry to men, but there's a little something brewing on the horizon this coming Monday night as we tape this podcast. Uh, It's almost the eve of the national championship, and so my good friend is seated across from me in his home office with his Alabama gear on, and I'm, uh, of course, wearing uh, the uh, traditional uh, orange uh, tiger paw. So uh, what are your thoughts heading into the national championship? Will be another uh, flag-planting ceremony for uh, Coach Saban, or you think maybe Dabo may have something up the sleeve this time? I'm, uh, I'm feeling pretty good, but um, I think, as they're saying, the fundamentals are going to be the key here. These are two well-matched teams, and um, what I think I'm most excited about um, in the midst of the game is the testimony of so many guys on the field and on the sidelines like Dabo. Um, I think it's going to be an exciting game. It'll be fun to watch. Yeah, God's given a unique platform to some of these guys today, and it's really been great to see the publicity they've been receiving uh, in that regard. Well, you're a native of Tennessee, but you went to school at Alabama, therefore your loyalty to the Crimson Tide. So give us a little background about uh, growing up and uh, your involvement in life at those uh, early stages. Sure. Yeah, it uh, hurts some of my uh, friends from growing up because I grew up in Knoxville, I used to wear a different shade of orange than you wear until uh, I saw the football light, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I grew up in a uh, great church up in Knoxville, great parents, uh, but pretty typical. I, I found that my testimony seems to match up 90% to a lot of Southern church boys. And we grow up in church, we learn how to dance that line between partying on Friday and Saturday and church on Sunday and Wednesday. And uh, that certainly carried out. Um, Alabama was not a place of spiritual growth for me. Um, even though I hold my loyalties as an academic institution. So, yeah, I went off to college and kind of fell off the Jesus bandwagon for a while and really wasn't until I got married and began to realize, hey, my life doesn't quite look like my faithful father's um, great example that I had. And so uh, God brought me back to him through that. And um, uh, probably 10 years of being just a good church guy, what I now sometimes call a pew sitter, I was faithful to show up, but not a lot was happening until God put an individual man across my path. Uh, we spent time last night at a, at a dinner here in Chattanooga where Bernie Ritterbush was there. And uh, Bernie became a mentor to me, really helped me understand what spiritual maturity is. Uh, we spent some years working in the ministry of Men's Ministry Network to help churches. And uh, out of that, we found a tool that we uh, found to be very effective in getting men to become disciple makers, not just talk about it. It's called Every Man a Warrior. And so about a year and a half ago, I went on staff with Every Man a Warrior, and I'm serving Tennessee and the region around it now. We'll get into more of your current ministry a little bit later on. But, uh, yeah, 12 years ago, I met Bernie Ritterbush, and we had a chance to be involved in a No Man Left Behind training that came to Chattanooga, one of the largest that was ever held around the country. And so I had heard of Bernie from afar, but it was my first chance to meet him in person. And uh, so admired his passion. And he's known for intentionality. Uh, that's something that's uh, been a part of his DNA. And obviously you've been part of the downline that he's invested in. And so when we got to know each other around six years ago, it was neat to kind of connect those lines to say, here's a leader of a ministry. Here's a product of his investment of time and the, the role you were playing. And so we enjoyed that partnership in those early stages. 
And uh, last evening, uh, for our listeners, we were here in Chattanooga uh, for an Advancing the Battle dinner. We've actually adopted that theme for our tour uh, for the intentional way this year. As we travel the country, uh, we want to see God advance the battle. So we were sharing some insights last evening from Deuteronomy chapter 20. But it was neat to have a, a wide variety of pastors, uh, local leaders. But then we also had guys uh, like Lonnie Berger, the founder of uh, Every Man a Warrior, and then uh, our friend uh, Chris Van Brocklin that we both have known and appreciated. He drove down from Crossville, Tennessee to be with us in Chattanooga. So it was good to have uh, locking arms uh, as we even challenge leaders to be doing that. And we have an upcoming Iron Sharpens Iron Conference in March here in Chattanooga. You've been a part of that for a number of years, uh, previously uh, under your leadership with the Men's Ministry Network and obviously now supporting that with Every Man a Warrior. So that's coming up in March. And uh, we've been privileged to be here before and speak with Ricky Jenkins. Looking forward to being here with Brian Carter. Uh, give the guys a little bit more of an overview of our Advancing the Battle dinner. You know, some of the stories that came out, some of the connection points you made with both veteran leaders, maybe some new leaders that attended. Sure. So the, um, the Advancing the Battle dinner is something we try to do quarterly here in Chattanooga as a place to give leaders a place to gather, not only get new information and training about what's going on, but probably more importantly, it's the time sitting around the table over dinner. Um, you, you've taught me the term foxhole friends over the years. We'd like to develop that relationship with guys who are leaders. Um, that's an interesting and challenging role. You spoke to us out of Deuteronomy last night and uh, really encouraged those guys because it can be tough when you want to be a leader. But last night's was um, not only to deliver that kind of encouragement, it was also a place for these guys to come and get some specific training around the Iron Sharpens Iron that's coming up. We do this every year to go back to the basics. It's kind of the beginning of, uh, of spring training, so to speak, and to say, hey, here's how you bring these guys to the table. Um, Iron Sharpens Iron is such a great place to bring guys who are kind of on the fringe in your church, a passion for you, Coach. Um, and so we just want to re-engage those leaders in being very intentional, uh, like you say, about working to gather their men and bring them to a place where they know they're going to be very specifically challenged and given ways to live that challenge out. And so that was the focus of last night. What was exciting, like you said, was to see the mix of guys that were there. Um, of course, I'm focused on what's happening some with every man a warrior around the city. Um, what we are seeing um, specifically through this tool is we were there with a pastor last night at one of the major churches in town, Woodland Park, and he came in excited to tell us his church has now reached the third generation of men leading other men to be disciple makers. It happens to be through the Every Man of Warrior tool. But so he led a group. Out of that group, there were men who led groups. Out of their groups, those men are now leading groups and teaching men core skills and how to walk with God. And we just find that to be very exciting. And so another purpose to gather together is to let those stories start to flow around between men. So for the leader who's joined us on the podcast today, who may be a rookie at all this, and he's thinking, yeah, I've heard about Iron Sharpens Iron or some other catalytic event, and I need to really rally my troops and get to that particular occasion. But oftentimes they see that event as a standalone. And so instead of being event-driven, they've got to be vision-focused. Let's unpack that a little bit because last evening, yes, we challenged the leaders that were there, but here's some pre-conference uh, the uh, responsibilities you were giving to these guys from a practical nature, 
But that'll be also uh, when they bring these guys to the conference in March, then beyond that. So both pre- and post-conference, there's as much input coming in for those leaders. Let's talk about that with that rookie leader who's thinking about, if I just had an event to go to or schedule, then I could accomplish what I wanted to. But pre- and post, let's do a drill down on catching the vision and not just coming to the event. Yeah, that's a great picture. Because as men's leaders, the events kind of become the easy thing to do. Not that they're easy to put on, there's organizing and all that, but we love to get busy. Um, And so we really want to do our best to not have a big event like an Iron Sharpens Iron become an island. We want men to see it from start to finish. You see, we're in January now, the event's in March. We want guys thinking now about building those relationships that help bring men to that catalyst. And then Iron Sharpens Iron conferences by nature are about equipping men maybe even more specifically equipping church men's ministries on how to then take action the rest of the year. And so we want to put tools in their hands that take the ideas that they're presented. When you come and give a keynote presentation, when we have our 16 different seminars that are touching on specific areas, uh, some are very practical, some are more spiritual. We even have a, a seminar this year for men who have kids with disabilities. I saw that video so, and it was fascinating to yeah. think you're touching in that area that's many times overlooked. So, so we really are trying to meet men where they are. Uh, a lesson, again, that you've taught, Pat Morley's taught us in, uh, in the Man in the Mirror training, um, that we want to meet men where they are. Uh, we want to help them then recognize that spot where they are and how to take at least the next first step, if not several. And so this idea of, of casting vision for the rest of the year, iron sharpens iron should be one part of, at a minimum, a year-long strategy and plan. So if you're a church, how are you taking guys from sitting in the pew like I was to being more engaged? Uh, Maybe it's that first step to get them engaged with a group of men that will walk toward Jesus. And the ultimate goal is to have them love Jesus with all their heart and then to be making disciples of other men. And so is that the vision to know what that end result you're looking for in a man's life Because in the middle of that, what they're going to learn to do is love their wives well, lead their children well, be great leaders in their church, just live out Christ in the world that we're in. So I love the way you asked that question, Coach, to make sure people know this isn't just about having a conference and getting guys there. This is about launching men into the plan that God has for their lives. So I encourage you rookie leaders, uh, using an athletic analogy, to uh, find a mentor that can kind of help walk you through this. And a number of us are involved in that particular process. And so again, whether it's your own retreat you're planning or you're looking to go to a conference, there's got to be some pre and post considerations and levels of responsibility. And also, I would also uh, tell the, uh, the, the young aspiring leaders that may be in your church, bring them along with you. A lot of guys will come you know, solo to these things and kind of gain some insight, and I'll go back and plug and play this into my local church. Don't be product-driven. Let's, let's come and talk about the process, but be thinking about the guy. He might not even be thinking yet, I would be eligible to become a leader in your local church, but you see potential in him. And so that's always a good coach. He sees the potential in his athletes. And so bring some aspiring leaders with you. Go to these equipping seminars. You have a chance to debrief on the road trip back home. All that's so beneficial. Well, both with your leadership at Men's Ministry Network and now with Every Man of Warrior, you've been involved with multiple Iron Sharpens Iron gatherings. And we think about the founder of that ministry, Brian Doyle. 
Uh, obviously, prayers continually go up for him and the loss of his wife, but this guy's been a steadfast champion uh, for men with these one-day seminars. And so for you guys that are unfamiliar with Iron Sharpens Iron, go to their website, ironsharpensiron.net, and you'll see a host of conferences in the spring. Chattanooga typically has theirs uh, during the springtime, and then there'll also be some in the fall. So basically two seasons when that occurs. Who are some of the guys you've brought to town in Chattanooga to speak over the years? Well, you've already mentioned Ricky Jenkins, uh, who was a great guy. Um, Ken Adams uh, with Impact Ministries down in Georgia is an excellent one. Who He really has a focus on training pastors and how to develop a disciple-making church. Um, of course, you've been here before. Joe Martin is a good friend of ours uh, who happens to be local in Chattanooga, but Real he's national connect. Mm-hmm. in scope and what he does. And so those are some of the type of guys that we've had come in that give the keynote addresses, which are key to kind of start the day and set the tone and to finish the day off. But the real meat in an iron sharpens iron comes in what we call the equipping seminars. And there are eight seminars in the morning. You got to pick one out of those eight. That's a challenge for men because there's good stuff. And then we do it again after lunch and have eight more seminars. And there's where I mentioned things like what we're doing for dads with kids with disabilities. I'll be leading a seminar on men's ministry that works looking at uh, Timothy and Titus and how we see leadership development um, uh, displayed there and the instruction that we get, the elements that come out of it. We're going to have teaching on how to share the gospel. Interestingly, sometimes we'll miss even these basics in our faith. And so we want to present this in a way that makes sense to men how it fits in their life with their families and with their friends. Um, we'll tackle uh, Bernie Ritterbush. We'll be back with the uh, teaching that we do every year on rethinking disciple making, kind of kind of stepping back from the word discipleship, where we can kind of have that mean everything. Let's focus in and make sure we know what we really mean and how Scripture has directed us to make disciple makers. Um, so we'll have a scattering of those things. We've got guys coming uh, to speak on purity. Moral purity is such an issue in our society for men, we try to address that in some way every year to keep it at the front of guys' minds that that is a huge battle for us. So as you can see, there's gonna be a wide spread of things. Go to mensministry.org and you can find there, it'll have the list of everybody that'll be there this year. And there'll be some listeners because of your appearance on the podcast from this particular region. And so exactly, uh, go to mensministry.org and find the details and uh, the host church They've been a tremendous friend of the ministry. Uh, Christ Church over in East Brainerd is a good location. Hundreds and hundreds of men attend, and so you've been there for a number of years. And so uh, we'll look forward to being back that first Saturday in March and uh, sharing with guys on that occasion. Chris Ackerson is our guest today on The Intentional Way. We'll rejoin you in a moment and continue our journey together. Chris, when we met six years ago, it was great to be able to uh, find a kinship, a kindred spirit with you, and I've really, really enjoyed these last six years together, uh, staying in your home last evening, kind of some icing on the cake now. We've been out there and hiked trails together in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and been in conferences together, and you've hosted us here at ISI and things of that nature. And so uh, let's talk now about uh, your new role with Every Man a Warrior. Uh, tell us about that ministry, and then also specifically how you're serving as a member of the field staff. Sure. So, so I mentioned that um, with Men's Ministry Network in my previous role, um, as we 
as we painted the picture and we cast the vision for men for disciple making, uh, one of the places we kept struggling was we would bring guys to the to the trough, so to speak, um, but couldn't necessarily get a, a significant number to drink. And um, so we were a little frustrated about that. We've had those conversations when we were both working with Man in the Mirror, uh, trying to create process for churches. We, we knew where we were trying to take them, but then to have something that would really get guys to begin to multiply. And so the funny part of the story is Bernie, again, that we've talked about, showed up one day with a stack of what I perceived to be just another old Bible study. And um, I didn't really want to do it. And uh, he looked at me in that fatherly way with that look in his eyes. It was like, oh, yes, son, you're going to do this. And uh, so I gave in. And with a little bit of a bad attitude, I started into this study called Every Man a Warrior. And the first book of three in Every Man a Warrior is about learning to walk with God. And so we begin to learn a process of quiet time. And um, it's a structure. We, we take an approach of this being skill-based for men. And so we begin going through a structure of quiet time. And my bad attitude at first had me going, well, isn't this, you know, a little legalistic and structured? And, and um, I think the devil was working on me. But one day, we're four or five chapters in, and this stalwart man in this group Bernie put me in. There were three 70-something-year-olds, one late 60s guy who was a retired Nazarene pastor, and me. So there was a lot of depth there and me. <laughs> and uh, one of the 75-year-olds came in and he, and he slapped his book down on the table and poked it with his finger and said, nobody's ever taught me this. Wow. And this is a guy who's calm and even. I mean, he's, I would call him the Baptist of Baptist. This guy had been a deacon since he was 10 years old maybe. And, and uh, just you know, I say that with a little hyperbole. But um, he went on to tell us that he had been having a quiet time for 50 years. And this is the faithful kind of guy that many had it 364 days a year, and one day he had it twice to make up for the other one. He's that kind of guy. And so he went on to say, you know, I love my devotionals. He loved Oswald Chambers from that generation. They loved my utmost for his highest. So he said, I'd get up, I'd read that devotion, um, I'd look up the scriptures that were with it, I'd spend time in prayer, good quiet time. But here's what he said that got me. He said, what I've realized is that all these years I've been reading Oswald Chambers' quiet time and nobody's taught me how to have my own. Well, that grabbed me. One, because this guy at 75 was humble enough to say, you know what, there's something I missed. Sure. And so I began to pay attention. Um, I began to have quiet times in a way that I had not, even as a guy that was a ministry leader. And um, so personally, it began to impact me. And then as, um, as I went on to lead other guys through this, it's been exciting to see when a man kind of tips over the edge He's been checking the box, he's learning the skills, and then one day he shows up. Because one of the things we do in Every Man of Warriors teach guys to share their quiet time. And you'll see a guy excited to share with another man what the God of the universe has said to him that day. Well, when men get that skill, quiet time, we also add to that uh, teaching them to be men of the word. We, we memorize scripture. That scares some guys until they figure out it's actually fun when you do it with a group of your brothers. And we teach them uh, a skill set of how to pray, maybe in a different way than they've done before. Well, with those basic skills in place, we then begin to tackle things we learn from from 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 in the chapters on leadership. We tackle marriage. We tackle raising children, money, sex, work dealing with hard times and how to make your life count. Uh, Lonnie said at breakfast this morning, we were together, you know, that's 90% of where guys' energy goes. All it's relevant issues. All relevant issues, and they're all answered in Scripture. And so when you're talking to a guy who's struggling in any of those areas, probably multiple, and you want to pull them into a foxhole friend group, and you say, hey, we're going to tackle these things, marriage, children, money, sex, work, 
now you've got something that's attractive to them and they're going to do it all in the, the through the lens of their quiet time and daily time with God. Well, when that skill is built, everything else that they touch in their walk with Jesus begins to be seen through that lens. Their sermons on Sundays, other Bible studies they might go through, podcasts they listen to and somebody puts out a scripture, the pull then is to go, well, you know, I, I want to go spend some time with God on that scripture and see what he says to me. So anyway, I, I give you kind of a long description there of, of what the resource is, but we begin just to put it to work here in Chattanooga. Um, a lot of work by Bernie, um, taking men that we had had relationship with over the years and uh, getting them to dive in. There's, there's nothing better than kind of the proof in the pudding. Um, not to go out and say, hey, here's the next great thing, but to get four or five guys, get them to commit to invest nine, ten months into doing this with a group of guys. And what we're seeing, Jeff, is about half the guys that will finish that process are moved to go and take other guys through it because they want them to experience not every man a warrior. It's not about the every man a warrior resource. That's just a tool. It's they want them to experience this relationship with God. So the blessing to me is because I stood on the shoulders of guys like Bernie Ritterbush and we begin to see some real traction here in the Chattanooga region, uh, I got the opportunity to come on board with the Everyman of Warrior staff and begin to serve all around the state of Tennessee and kind of any of the surrounding areas. So, so that's my role now. and I, I kind of pinch myself every day to say, oh, I get to get up and do this every day to go help men find a connection that maybe they missed like I did just sitting in the pews. Such a contrast to a church I was doing a ministry audit with recently. And uh, they were describing, uh, going back to both of our roots with Man in the Mirror, that they had a deep-end approach to discipleship. A lot of mature believers, you know, a deep bench as far as the elder pool and things like that. When I talked about, hey, how are you doing reaching guys on the fringe? What about the guys in the community? Crickets, nothing's happening. So, a tremendous effort on the deep end. You find churches like this. They, send, they tend to focus, I use the golf course analogy, those guys who are on the green, uh, they're easy to reach. You know, the guy that's closest to the pen, he's drawing near to God, James 4.8. But uh, some of these other fellows are, are being left behind. But as I did a walkthrough, I looked at the uh, materials online that they were offering to uh, their, their guys and I just kind of did a walk through the church because it's interesting, outside of every educational classroom, they do a lot of stuff on-site. They have small groups, but there was stuff on-site as well on Sunday morning with some adult Bible fellowships. They had the leader's name, and they had the title of the uh, topic that was being provided for that semester. They're more of an academic approach. So we're taking a walk. Here's the Financial Peace University. I thought they should leverage that for the guy in the community because yep. yep. everybody wants to be able to balance the budget, you know, and so that's a good entry point. So I, 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 I mentioned that as a leverage point. And then we walked down the hallway, and there was a man's name. I've never met the man. I'm sure he's a godly man, and may the Lord bless him in his efforts. But the title of the topic was The Sovereignty of God. And I thought about my fringe guy at this church yeah. who's being untapped. In contrast to these relevant issues that you just mentioned, that if one of those seven relevant issues was hanging out there uh, outside of the classroom, what would be the attraction? You know, yeah. give a man what he needs in the context of what he wants. Yep. Does a man need to understand the sovereignty of God? Absolutely. We're not saying we should shut that particular study down. But no wonder that particular congregation is so strong on the deep end. But there's a lot of people, 
in the community that have not heard the message of Christ. And so every man a warrior, the thing that I've noticed in my travels around the country is you teach these guys to meditate on Scripture yeah. through that memorization process. They tend to marinate. You know, I, I can tell these uh, these guys, as even as they're listening, and, and you yourself, in your home last night, you were sitting there uh, giving me an overview of what I was uh, challenging those leaders with. But you picked up on verse number 4. That was a moment that God met me. Yeah. And uh, that was my uh, you know, special uh, divine prompting from God. But then also, you then motivate. I was uh, sharing with the leaders last night, for you listeners, that, hey, we've been training men's discipleship leaders for three decades. But men's discipleship leaders, they tend to cycle out. And that's okay. Not everybody maybe is called to do this, but it's got to be long-term with men. It just, it just takes a long time to make a disciple, a male disciple, as Pat Morley, our mentor, would say. But you guys, the fellows are motivated to then go back and jump in somebody else's foxhole. And uh, to, you know, a lot of times guys want to play defense with their at-risk area, but you want to get on the offense. Let's go back and give somebody something that I didn't have, as you mentioned, this 70-year-old. Well, let's talk about the, uh, obviously you guys are in the process, but you also have these materials. Let's talk about the three books. Let's, let's uh, unpack that a little bit more. For the rookie leader that's out there maybe getting started, hey, this might be something I would enjoy exploring. Let's, let's unpack it, these relevant issues you guys go through in the three-book series. Sure. Well, uh, one, let me unpack even some more practical in the way the books um, are laid out. Um, and this is one of the reasons why I think we're seeing such great multiplication out of it, is the books themselves are simple. The Leader's Guide's at the beginning of every chapter, so it's not like it's this secret book the one guy holds. Everybody's seeing the process, and it's literally a checklist. It's that simple. So uh, the first book, which, like I said, is about walking with God. It is about our intimate love relationship with God, and it starts off with the Great Commandment. Um, it's so easy, I think, for us guys to jump straight to the Great Commission, which is critical, but we like to get busy when Jesus, when he was asked, said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And so we start there, and that's why this quiet time is so important as we begin to train guys to spend daily quality time with the God that loves them. And so we focus on that skill. Like I said, verse memorization begins to be tied into that as well because we want men to begin to learn that Scripture gives us the biblical principles for everything in our life. But we need to help them have the skill to know how to go find that and engage with it. And then finally, prayer. Uh, this is not a one-way street. Um, we need to spend time not only speaking to God in our prayer, but learning to listen. So we use a method that we teach called the war method. Of course, that fits well with the name Every Man a Warrior. But the first thing in, in our prayer is we need to worship our God. Um, I, I personally found that to be the most difficult thing to learn in my prayer life. In fact, I would say I'm still learning it because we're... We're list-driven, aren't we? We're list-driven, right? So in worship, we work to begin to learn how to praise God, to thank God for the things he's done, recognize what he's done, and then to listen. And that really may be the hardest part. I was challenged by, uh, we, we've got a women's companion series that's just come out, and the lady that wrote it challenged us in a meeting one day that we should be listening to God at least as much as we're speaking to God. And that really convicted me. Amen. Um, because the second part of war, the A, is admit sin. I have no 
uh, lack of material for that stage of things that I can take to God and confession. The closet's full for all that. The closet's full for all that. <laughs> and so there's a place we can easily go to, to remind God how, uh, how much we failed along the way. Um, but it's important that we take those things, that not only we confess our sin, but we accept the forgiveness that Christ has given us. And so we want that to be in there. And then finally, the R is about the request. Now, that's, I think that's where we all typically go to in our prayers is all the things we want to ask God for. Well, he tells us in Philippians, you know, not to be anxious, but to bring everything to him in prayer and petition with thanksgiving. He wants us to bring our problems to him. And so we work on that that um, a process of prayer. And a lot of guys have never thought through that. You know, they can say the dinner prayer. They might be able to say a good prayer with some good churchy words um, in front of people, but to have an intimate discussion with God is more often than not something we as men have not learned, me included. So that's what book one tackles. And we challenge one man to facilitate through that. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll skip the word lead because there's a few guys out there that have you know, checked themselves off to say they're not leaders. So I'm unqualified. I'm not qualified. But they're qualified to follow a checklist. And so one guy will facilitate through the first book, making sure we stay on time. We like to start on time and end on time. That's a valuable thing to men. And so we'll go through nine chapters of learning the skill. But then we make a switch. If you've got a skill... It's only good if you put it to use, right? If you just put it back in the bag and never use it, um, that was a nice effort that you made, but we need to put it to work. So the second book, um, like I said, we, we begin to use the First Timothy 3 and Titus 1 lessons on leadership, right? Our tendency in the church, I think, is to use those passages to eliminate guys from leadership. Well, you don't live up to this list, and so thus you can't be a deacon or an elder, right? We say the real it's the use cut of, list, as we would say in the athletic world, <laughs> as opposed to the development list to mm-hmm. say these are the things we need to be very intentional about making sure men are biblically trained in. And so we start with the, in book two, we focus on the real core relationships for men, marriage and raising kids. All right. Now, for guys that are single, guess what we've learned? At one point, we thought, well, maybe they should skip that book. No, we've learned this is preparing an unmarried man for the woman God may have for him. And women are hungry for men who understand and live out biblical principles. They're hungry for that. So we want to help guys prepare for that. If you don't have children yet, um, what it does is help you go back and unpack maybe some of the wounds from your own childhood. You need to address those things. But for guys who are married and have kids, it begins to give very practical skills. We were talking this morning about a a, um, commitment to marriage that we make. And it's my privilege to show my love for Jesus by caring for my wife, to love her, to try to understand her, to give up my life and rights for her. Guys are saying that back and forth to each other for 20 plus weeks and holding each other accountable. How are you doing it? Showing your love for Jesus by caring for your wife. It's very convicting. Uh, We teach um, uh, men with their children how to have one-on-one time with their children that is intentional. Again, intentional way, coach. Are they being intentional about not only investing time in their children, which is how children feel love, listening, letting it be all about the kids, and when God gives the opportunity, speaking, building blocks of truth into their lives. We have seen relationships just change dramatically for guys. Not just with their young children, we see stories of guys who reconnect with adult children. And because of the age of a lot of guys, you, you're, the, you're the mayor of Madisonville. Mm-hmm. Um, we see a lot of guys who are using this to invest in their grandchildren by developing this skill. So very practical. Guys need it. Those are the key areas where men don't want to fail. And then the third book, 
not a deep dive in any of these, but says, let's address the other issues from Timothy and Titus. Money, work, sexual purity, how we deal with hard times. That's, that's how God really shapes us is in hard times. Well, how do we deal with those as a follower of Christ? And then finally, we get back to the Great Commission. It's time. How do you make your life count? And it's about taking these things God has taught you and now going and sharing them with other men. Now, there's a dual reason for that, Jeff, because just education in general has taught us when somebody teaches us something from the pulpit or from a lecture, we only retain about 5%. So last night, out of the great teaching you gave, um, studies would say a man only retains about 5%. Now, I always say to guys like you that have just spoken, that just means you needed 20 guys that all got a different 5%. It's all <laughs> worthwhile, not trying to shoot down what a pastor's doing, but understand that for a man to really get there, we, we talk about what grade do you want to get as a disciple maker. And if you want an A, typically in our world, that's a 90% or better. And educational studies say to get to 90% retention, you have to teach something. Mm-hmm. And so... A man who finishes this three-book series, we challenge them to go on and lead a group as much for their own education and learning to lock it in as for the men that they're going to lead. And then what we're seeing is a guy that will, a guy that goes on and leads a second group because probably because he's seen somebody's life change dramatically. When they lead a second group, they don't seem to be stopping. Now they've got a hunger to change men's lives. And uh, again, I would say. These three books are working well. Lonnie says he wrote them because of the prayers of women saying, God, please help our men. But the real deal is not the books. It's that relationship they build with Jesus and the time they spend with God every day and let him impact their lives. Let's go back to the rookie leader okay. and let's think about, you know, okay, he's got two or three guys in mind. What's the typical size of the group? Does everybody have a set of materials? Uh, walk us through the practical side, the length of time that a, yep. a group typically will go through before they'll recycle. Good. We have... Uh, we see it being used one-on-one, which is good. If, you're, if you've got that opportunity, I've got a guy that I'm leading one-on-one, so it'll work in that uh, environment well. The best that we've seen tends to be a group of four to five guys, maybe six at the most. If so you get enough airtime for everybody to build that's, share. That's right. Um, our target, uh, we challenge guys to invest an hour and a half a week in the meeting time when they come together. And so by having the right size of guys, it gives everybody a chance to participate. Um, Like I said, we begin to do things like share our quiet times. We want to have ample time uh, to do that. Um, So four to five guys in a group, um, hour and a half a week. Uh, If you went nonstop, um, which doesn't typically happen, there's 31 lessons in the three books. We'll generally say plan for nine, ten months. Um, We don't like to be bound by the calendar. I had one group, a combination of weeks we really wanted to discuss more. And so we carried a chapter over, a few vacations in there. We went a whole year. Um, But it was initially designed to fit well into a nine-month calendar so it can absolutely be done in that time frame. Um, Is that enough of that answer? So the facilitator concept, again, to me is so strategic because in traveling around and trying to train leaders, not only are we trying to recruit aspiring leaders, again, they don't notice their opinion. And so I always tell, you know, guys are going to be hosting a leadership training, hey, toss it out there. Y'all come. (laughs) Who who might show up, you know? And this guy may join your leadership team and have some input along the way. And, oh, yes, you can then develop him further in his own process. And so that's a good starting point. And obviously they could do a, a much deeper dive and at the end of the podcast, uh, we'll be able to share uh, how they can contact yep, you yep. Uh, as well as other field staff that you have and even internationally in that regard. One final thing on uh, Every Man a Warrior, and then we'll uh, change gears. Uh, 
the cultivating holy beauty. Mm-hmm. Another uh, interesting aspect of your ministry is God has really prompted you fellows to, like you said, I'll never forget the, the greatest compliment I was given as a men's pastor was when a couple moved away. And the wife wrote me an email. And she said, our group is called MVP, Men of Valor and Prayer. MVP was an irreplaceable catalyst for my husband's spiritual growth. And she was one of those typical spiritual leaders of the family. She's doing deep dives in women's groups, but she's longing for her husband James to assume that spiritual leadership role. Then in turn, he can give away what he's been experiencing with God and with other men. And so I was so, she was a quiet, soft-spoken, you know, not somebody that had a high profile. But I'll always remember, because I'm thinking, who needs to go print a brochure up? Okay, that quote right there, it was an irreplaceable catalyst. Now that's to God be the glory, but through the intentionality of reaching them. However, what's neat about your particular situation, you've now provided some materials for women's groups. So let's uh, talk briefly about cultivating holy beauty. Yeah, so uh, I mentioned earlier that when Lonnie wrote Every Man a Warrior, he fully believes that God's told him this is the answer to the prayers of women to help our men. And so just like you said, as Every Man a Warrior has taken root and we begin to see lives changed in men, the wives took notice. And so uh, Every Man a Warrior has been around about seven, almost eight years now. Uh, Wives begin to clamor for, hey, we see this in our husbands. We want this. And there's been uh, quite a number of women that have gone through at least book one out of the Every Man a Warrior series. Um, But my counterpart in North Carolina, Adam North, um, he's one of the great stories of a changed life because of Every Man a Warrior. And his wife saw it, and God put on her heart uh, to write this companion series called Cultivating Holy Beauty. And uh, it'd be easy to think we just took the Every Man a Warrior and took the man stories out and dropped the women's stories in, but God did not work that way. Um, he really seems to have worked through Jesse. Um, the first book uh, definitely takes the same approach as Every Man a Warrior. It's about building those core skills of walking with God, quiet time, scripture memory, and prayer. Um, But as it branches out from that, this was written by women and for women, it begins to address their needs. So like the second book in Cultivating Holy Beauty is about helping, uh, letting the healer heal, letting the healer heal. And because what she recognized is women are very attuned more than men to their wounds. Men are are, uh, are seeking to not fail. We have a fear of failure. Women are looking to heal wounds. I would not have known that. So We don't want people to think it's just a a copy of what the men's is. It's meeting the women where they are. But we're excited because there are 35,000, 40,000 men around the country right now who have gone through the Every Man a Warrior series, and their women have been hungry for this. And so we just launched this like three, four weeks ago um, as its own independent ministry. And um, um, I know we're planning to do some training here in Chattanooga at some point in the future. Uh, But we are excited because... Like I said, it's not about every man a warrior. It's about leading us to be closer to God and to Jesus. Women are made equally in the image of God, and they need that connection with with God and Jesus just as much. And I'm excited that Jesse's been able to do it in a way that meets women where they are and in their needs. Well, we'll share some information about uh, contacting every man a warrior and Cultivating Holy Beauty. We'll list the websites uh, here on the podcast later on. My special guest today is Chris Ackerson. We'll rejoin you momentarily for our final segment today. But thanks for being on Insights on Intentionality.
Well, Chris, as we round third and go home, let's uh, talk about some regular Joe stuff. <laughs> I always think about the guy who's listening in, you know, who may not even see himself as an aspiring leader. Uh, we have primary leaders that listen into this podcast, but I always want to take a guy where he is at his journey. Uh, there's the traveling salesman that listens to this. He's uh, driving down the highway today and uh, was involved with a men's group and then moved away and could not find one. Uh, I'll never forget one of our guys from Charlotte at MVP had moved to Detroit, Michigan. And he uh, contacted me and says, Coach, I can find uh, men's groups all across uh, Detroit, but I can't find MVP. I said, what do you mean by that, Mark? He said, well, these guys won't raise the window shade. They won't let you into their world. And so whether it's uh, sharing a quiet time, as you were mentioning earlier, and or just talking about the struggles, the adversities, how do we go through these challenges? How are things at home? How are things at work? How are things in our walk? That's where the rubber meets the road. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to be able to share our lives as well. And so that was his component. The, uh, the concept that I share frequently is 1 Thessalonians 2.8, where Paul said, I'm delighted to share with you not only the good news of Christ, but to share my life as well. So there's the balance of the written word and the living word. And you guys will see that happen, obviously, in your ministry. But uh, we've enjoyed uh, hiking some trails together and seeing some beautiful waterfalls. In fact, that's a memorable day for me because you were a stress-filled guy. And I could tell there was a lot of air built up in your balloon. And so my gift that day was to take five of you uh, on this little hike and just spend some time in meditation with the Lord by yep. some waterfalls. Yep. Then get back together and pray for one another. That was prior to you diving into this material. But uh, let's talk about that ministry of hanging out. And let's talk about your region of the country. Chattanooga, my second home. Uh, we're sitting here today on the Signal Mountain. Uh, most people know about Lookout Mountain. Tons of things to do in this particular region for guys to go out and meet with God in a yep. one-on-one capacity. Uh, as well as, uh, obviously, in group settings. And so let's talk about the, the scenic center of the South. And what are the, some, some of the things you've enjoyed, obviously, from Knoxville originally, this whole East Tennessee region? Tons of things to do. Tell us about some fun times uh, growing up or even now with your own family. Yeah, Chattanooga is a great town. Of course, you lived here uh, back in the 60s and 70s. Uh, for a period of time, but uh, there was a point in time where Chattanooga was described as the dirtiest city in America. Walter Cronkite, for the guys that are old enough to remember him on the news, and uh, the city took that seriously, did not like that, and worked to make significant changes, and Chattanooga has just become not only a great place to live, it's a great place for people to come and visit. We sit at the 75, uh, I-75 runs straight through here, the busiest interstate in the country, so we get a lot of through traffic. We sit almost equally in between Atlanta, Nashville, and Knoxville. Uh, so lots of weekend travelers coming in. And it's just become a, a fun place to be. The downtown is fun. But what we're probably most known for is all the outdoor activity. So for people that like to get out, like you said, whether it's a simple hike, if it's some of the best rock climbing in the country, um, kayaking, all kinds of water sports. We've been recognized over the last several years uh, two or three times as the top outdoor recreation city in the country. Um, So if you're just looking for a beautiful place to come hang out, and you and I are the same, we really feel God when we are out in nature. And so Chattanooga is just one of those neat places that um, small town, uh, not a big city, so it's easy to get around in and just a fun place to be. You were going to take me to a place today, and uh, the weather is not going to be cooperative with us, but I look forward to giving you a rain check uh, literally on that one. Maybe when we get back in uh, March or on some other occasion, we can do that. Well, let's go through some uh, uh, bullet point answers. I always like yeah. to let the uh, guys listening on the podcast to kind of get to know the regular Joe side of the leaders 
that we typically chat with. So, uh, favorite classic car? Ooh, 1967 Corvette. And what's the attraction behind the vet? Uh, well, the 1967 was when I was born. That'll give my age away. And that is just the classic American sports car. Any specific color of preference? or uh, That, of course, would be crimson and white. Jeff. There you go. I was going to say, <laughs> building a little analogy right there. Yeah. It used to be cherry red, but then I became an Alabama fan, so I, <laughs> I adjusted my red color. To that. I hear you. The tint changes a little bit with the loyalties. How about your favorite adventure movie? Ooh, now that's an interesting one. I'm, uh, uh, with my age, I probably got to go back to the Indiana Jones. The original Indiana Jones. Has got Raiders of the Lost Star. That's right. Raiders that's my favorite Star. as well. So we're, we're on the same plane with that one. I, I've watched that movie hundreds of times. In fact, this past weekend with all the college football games, the bowl games, yep. I noticed on one of the movie channels they were showing the, the, uh, uh, the four uh, series. And uh, never, never uh, get tired of watching Raiders of the Lost Ark. 1981 yep. is when that came out. So that was a classic, no doubt. In fact, they're comparing our bowl game, our championship game on Monday night, you know, to that movie series. <laughs> so this is the fourth edition. <laughs> Up to number four. That's it, exactly. So uh, the, the Raiders is always my favorite. Of course, in our, our uh, series of games, that was a classic. A lot of people would say we should have won that first game. But that famous... Onside kick. Yep. Man, the Sabernator, he's watching all that game film. <laughs> he's got that card, that ace in the hole. He pulls that baby out because Deshaun Watson has seized control. We've taken the lead, and boom, here he comes. Well, it's it, totally it, it changed. Isn't it funny? So that onside kick made him a hero. Kirby Smart tried it in the SEC championship game this year, and he's the biggest heel on the planet to the Georgia fans. So uh, it's funny how things work out. Yeah, it was good for the master, but the uh, but <laughs> the disciple, right. speaking of uh, disciple-making, right. didn't always work out. How about uh, what's on your bucket list? Is there a place you'd like to go visit someday? Yeah, yeah. last night you kind of asked a question like that, and you eliminated what was first on my list currently. Clarice and I have talked. We really would like to go to Israel at some point, just as you read through Scripture to go actually see those places. Uh, but really, any kind of travel for us. Uh, Ireland is top on her list. Uh, I'm, I'm reading a book right now called uh, Finding God in Guinness talking about the, the legacy and history of the Guinness family that brew the beer. And uh, I did not know that uh, what a man of God um, and, and how that family, Oz Guinness, that you hear speak on the radio sometimes is of that legacy. And so it's fun. I, I get some of this from you. It's fun to go see those places that you read about. I'll never forget going to Israel in 1994 for a journey to Jerusalem and uh, spent 10 days of learning a teaching tour, not just a tourism, but also a teaching tour. And uh, that made it very significant. But it reminded me, uh, we're here, obviously, one of the things uh, in Chattanooga as well is the famous National Military Park uh, from mm -hmm. the Civil War. And uh, when I went to Gettysburg for the first time, and I'm hearing about all the famous battles of Gettysburg, the turning point of the Civil War, but to go there and to walk those fields, to see those famous uh, uh, three days uh, being played out, that was uh, what the trip to Israel then when I went back and read scripture, particularly Bible geography, which is really overlooked oftentimes, you know, we know how far Dalton, Georgia is, or yeah. Cleveland, Tennessee, or, or Knoxville, where I'm traveling to uh, momentarily. But uh, Bible geography comes alive, but to be able to walk where Jesus walked. Now, there's some people over there that worship shrines. You know, we don't want to get yeah. into that. Yeah. But it will, I, I tell people often that a trip to Israel will enhance your walk with God very, very uniquely. I think that everybody who's physically able should take a mission trip because until we go international, we don't really understand the heart of God and the Great Commission. And then if you're able to go to Israel on some occasion, it really makes the pages of the Scriptures uh, jump off. So we hope that one day that bucket list item yeah. will be realized. <clears throat>
Well, listen, it's been great to have you on the podcast today in our closing uh, moments here. Um, what about for the leader who's new to the intentional way? Uh, you've been gracious enough to host us on multiple occasions. We've done a lot of life-on-life stuff. Uh, what about the leader that's kind of kicking the tires, raising the hood, checking us out on the website, finding out who we're all about in our philosophy of ministry? Uh, give a couple minutes to uh, the intentional way and uh, what those guys would expect when we come to their town. Yeah, so, of course, mostly I get to speak about that from our personal relationship and that the intentional way is flowing out of lessons you've been teaching guys one-on-one. As K, We all call you Coach K, that you come and coach us. Um, I think what uh, guys should expect coming is, is that personal um, investment that you will make in helping them zero in on where is it God's trying to take us as men and not just to kind of lackadaisically go after it, but how do we laser beam in on that? Um, How do we go to Scripture to see what God's telling us, and then how do we put that into action, and not just on our own with that band of brothers around us to take others with us? And you've just always done such an excellent job of that, uh, not only to motivate, which is one of your skills, when when it gets hard, because it does, so to have somebody that speaks encouragement into our lives, God definitely gifted you for that. And then um, I love that you chose Intentional Way as the name for your ministry as you retooled for this, uh, this season of life. Is You're right. We miss out on intentionality. We'll get the ideas. We'll have some concepts. We may even have some biblical principles. But if we don't pull those out of the bag and put them to work with purpose, they're just sitting there. So. Mm-hmm. Well, again, it's been great to have you on the podcast today, and I so appreciate our friendship, our partnership together. We look forward to continuing on. We both have new platforms of ministry, but the same DNA uh, that God has made within us. And uh, we look forward to coming back in March to being here in Chattanooga at the Iron Sharpens Iron Conference to lock arms with others who will be coming and uh, being part of these equipping seminars. And uh, my first chance to... uh, I've been with uh, uh, the... uh, uh, guys around the country. It's always a blessing to be with the Gene Getzes of the world yeah. and the Ricky Jenkinses. And so uh, Brian Carter, the uh, speaker for the 33 series, the fellows will really enjoy him because a lot of the guys yeah. have obviously been involved in that series. And so, hey, whatever material you guys end up using, we always say often the gathering is more important than the material. And I like that every man and warrior agrees with that. But it's been great to have Chris Ackerson. Uh, again, we'll leave his uh, contact information for those of you in this region that want to follow up with him or another field staff uh, representative from Every Man and Warrior. And then also uh, our friends at menandsministry.org. More information on the conference if you're in the Chattanooga region. Well, we'll join you next time on Insights on Intentionality. And remember, Ephesians 5.16 says, Make the most of every opportunity. Because most people have good intentions, but few people practice intentionality. This is Coach K signing off from the scenic center of the South, Chattanooga, Tennessee. We'll catch you next time on Insights on Intentionality.